Our speaker today is Michael Mills. With over nine years of EAM experience, Michael leads a team of Fluke Solutions engineers who help pair customers with solutions that align with their M&R strategies. Whether it's creating a maintenance historian, transporting data from system to system to trigger actions and analytics, or connecting information into the hands of maintenance professionals, his focus is always a high value deliverables, leveraging reliability-centered maintenance. All right, you're here for harnessing CMMS and sensors for efficient facilities manager, management. Michael, take it away. Hey, thank you very much, Robin. And uh, before I get actually started into the slides, what I'd like is for everybody just to, again, loosen the fingers and make sure that we're all, we're all using the chat. Um, feel free to chat in where you're dialing in from today. Uh, it's always good to see the, the, the global scale and reach that we see uh, on these webinars. So while I go through that first slide again, feel free with your location and we'll, uh, we'll go from there. Uh, thanks for attending. So good morning to some and uh, good afternoon to others. You know, thank you for, for taking that time to, to attend today's session on sustainable maintenance and reliability and really the, the ability to leverage certain technologies to benefit your organization, both the ability to, to impact that bottom line as well as manage uh, external perceptions. And to start out, I'd like to take a moment to introduce myself. Um, my name is Michael Mills and I'm the technical sales manager with the Fluke Reliability team. Um, I've worked with the group eMaint and FRS for about nine to 10 years at this point. And I do currently work with a small team of software sales engineers who really help to align solutions within our portfolio to match the needs of our customers. And hence a reason for today's session is really to dig deep into a topic that it seems to be on the tip of everyone's tongues or at the top of mind when it comes to discussing maintenance and reliability. So how will these tools help my operation become more sustainable? And over the past few years, and as Industry 4.0 has evolved, you know, it seems that, that dotted line for responsibility within your organization has really shifted from the more ideal, you know, yes, you want to take preventive steps to be more sustainable, to a more hardline directive upon each of our performance. So all of this while managing and balancing our day-to-day -day operations and really the profitability of an already competitive space. So today, uh, what I'd like to propose is that we, we spend some time discussing, you know, what is sustainability and how does that impact maintenance and reliability? You know, we can discuss some changes in industry and how governing bodies have been really accelerating this journey. And we're gonna discuss how some technologies that exist today have a direct impact on how organizations can become more sustainable. And I'd also like to take some time to discuss how the future trends uh, that will be upon us in the near future will also help to alleviate some of the challenges when it comes to implementing new sustainable practices. So some of these challenges may be due to organizational inertia, right? You know, things are going so well, why do we want to mess with something that's working? And others are feeling the external pressures to reduce waste and emissions from the public and need a fast pivot. So what incremental changes can be made to alleviate some of these challenges. And where I'd like to start out today is I'd like to take a poll to get a gauge on, on who's in the audience today. You know, what factors are considered to be part of sustainability within your organization? So feel free to use the chat as I go through this, but 
what I mean by this, and I probably should have phrased this in a different way, is what within your organization seems to drive reliability and sustainability the most? You know, that can be environmental sustainability, economic sustainability, social sustainability, or really all of the above. And each has a key component, but what do you think is driving your organization to become more sustainable today? And we'll give everyone just a, just a few moments to, uh, to respond. All right, Let's see a few responses coming through. We'll give it just a, a few more seconds. All right. So, you know, it is very interesting to see, you know, some of the responses that come through. And really, I do get the impression that everyone has at least some insight into their own sustainability efforts within their organization. And really, as you see the slides here, you know, there's no real right answer other than, uh, than all of the above, as many operations will need to be to start somewhere and really focus on at least one of these areas first before migrating to the next. But to be honest, each of these areas that you see on your screen, environmental, economic, social, they're all linked together and can positively or negatively impact your organization, if not monitored proactively. But we'll get on to this in just, uh, in just a little bit. Now, let's dig into the topic at hand. You know, what is sustainability? You know, and from all the research that I've done, and as this comes from a number of different sources, but Sustainability is the development that meets the needs of the present without compromising the ability of future generations to meet their own needs. Okay. And then a similar message, I saw that sustainability is about reaching a balance between, again, economic, social, and environmental goals, which are really the three pillars of sustainability. Now, let's dig even deeper into this topic. That's sustainability as a whole. But how does sustainability directly impact maintenance and reliability. Better put, what's the definition of sustainability within the context of maintenance and reliability? Now, I wasn't able to find a, a formal definition. However, the idea is that your maintenance strategies and processes should be in alignment with the focuses of sustainability, again, whether it's on one of these three pillars. You know, it involves, the balance, uh, involves balancing the need to maintain and operate assets efficiently with minimizing negative impacts on the environment, society, and economy, both in the short and in the long term. Now, acknowledging historically maintenance and reliability teams, they get a bad rap when it comes to these, these practices, and it's not exactly the correct state of the industry. However, these maintenance reliability teams, they really do have, a, have many opportunities and areas to improve their efficiencies and really hone in on uh, areas of waste. So, Focusing on improving efficiencies today without jeopardizing the efficiencies of tomorrow. Now, I started today's session with a poll, again, where you were answering in the chat, where we discussed what considerations drive sustainabilities uh, within your organization or how directly see these areas impacting sustainability. Now, when you look at the triple bottom line, what it really means is that performance of an organization is no longer just measured in its revenue at the end of the year, right? Performance should be measured in each of the, the key areas of economic, environmental, and social responsibility, which we'll dig into. And I saw that, I believe it's Harvard Business Review, referred to the triple bottom line as actually the three Ps, 
being profit, planet, and people. And what this means is it adds layers of complexity around the ways businesses and products are now developed. And if you look at the life cycle of either from the inception of an idea to the delivery, there are many areas for a misstep in which one of these categories uh, may actually have a false step. And now, to gain a better understanding of each of these categories, you know, an economic, economic sustainable practice would still look to drive value for its customers and its shareholders because a sustainable business would have positive impacts on areas of the economy, you know, not just showing on their bottom line. And these can impacts of more efficient ways of producing goods and services, or could be through new technologies that produce goods with new, more accessible materials. And either way, focusing on driving profitability for your organization through maintenance processes is not a new concept to anyone on the line today. Secondly, running in parallel, the social impacts of sustainability. You know, organizations must factor in the social aspects of sustainability for their operations. When you think of an organization trying to drive improvements, it's easy to think of changes that will benefit a company's shareholders. Uh, however, these metrics around social sustainability will reach into areas such as their hiring practices, uh, ways to develop or improve existing employees' experience, and really invest in the human capital that we have, or could be even spending time investing in volunteering you know, throughout the community. And these are areas in which a company can be viewed more positively, and in turn, organically may attract talent that, that may be naturally more focused on sustainability itself. Lastly, environmental sustainability. You know, many organizations can look at some of their current practices and, and identify areas in which they are directly or indirectly creating waste within their organization or within the, the, the environment. And this can be inefficient transportation routes, uh, throwing away parts that could be refurbished or unexpected leaks within an operation. Yeah. There are more than a few areas where we can lean into here, but a number that actually stood out to me recently um, was 135 million tons. Yeah. I'll give credit again to the Harvard Business Review and the International Energy Agency, but a report by the International Energy Agency found that the global energy industry released 135 million tons of methane into the atmosphere in 2022. And any organization nowadays with their company on the New York stock ticker will be incentivized to focus and reduce their carbon footprint impacting the environment and finding ways to improve these numbers going forward. Uh, to quote another article from manufacturing.com, uh, shout out to uh, Helen Adams who, uh, who wrote that. They say that manufacturers have a, a social responsibility to minimize their environmental impacts and contribute to the well-being of communities. Achieving net zero emissions proves a commitment to environmental stewardship, sustainability, and the health and safety of employees, customers, and the wider world. Now, I did tell myself, Mike, buddy, you're not gonna spend too much time on this slide. And I, I lied to myself as per usual, but what I'd like to have it come across here is that, that all the areas intersect and your organization will not be able to achieve true sustainability without each being addressed and measured. You know, when you look at this Venn diagram, we need to acknowledge that each of these are dependent on the others. For example, a company that may have found a breakthrough, a breakthrough when it comes to a new technology, you know, is about to go on the market, may have found a, a great new way to, to boost the bottom line 
and they're about to explode in, in the marketplace, right? But in that initiative and development, they failed to invest in their current team. They're overworked and reports on indeed.com, you know, say that it's not a great place to work. You're no longer able to attract top talent and sustain success in the long term, and the company may fail. On the other side of things, what if a new technology was resource intensive? It didn't involve resources that could be easily replenished, you know, leading to delays in the second wave, leading to high environmental impacts and scrutiny from the EPA, major fines. You know, these are areas where a success in one may cause an abrupt failure in the others. Now, I was actually posed a question a number of months ago by, by one of my colleagues, and it was interesting because I hadn't really thought about it too much. You know, what's the difference between sustainability and reliability? And when you think about fluke reliability in our organization, you know, we always talk about connected reliability and how it's a framework that combines hardware and software from different sources in the one ecosystem to drive reliability of your equipment. And when investigating and really trying to find the best way to describe the differences, um, I stumbled upon a post uh, from Aircup J and on Six Sigma Daily site, uh, which is actually, and I did some digging, he's the founder of the Reliability Academy. Uh, Eric, if you're hearing this, I appreciate you. But well, while reliability is drive, the driving force behind keeping equipment up and running and running efficiently, sustainability focuses on more than just the equipment. Again, it's about your social and environmental bottom line as well. Now, that's not saying, not to say efficient equipment isn't avoiding additional waste or, or improving the engagement of your employees, but what Eric notes is that reliability and sustainability uh, are considerably different topics but are important to be conducted in accordance with one another. So in order for an operation to become reliable, it must be sustainable. And if the operation does not have the pillars of sustainability in place, it cannot be reliable. So keep this in mind as we get further on in this presentation. Now, what are the forces that are driving the shift in mindset and policy towards sustainability? You know, what's causing so many industries to make these changes to their organizations and, and putting a heavy focus on this sustainability. And the reality today is that without oversight, you know, many organizations are still consuming energy at a high rate. You know, greenhouse gas emissions are actually down 20% over the past 20 years, but need to continue to decline. Uh, materials continue to be wasted through inefficient use and their environmental impacts. You know, I made a point to go on to many big name web websites recently to check in an assumption of mine. And you really wouldn't believe the number of companies that are really emphasizing their commitment to sustainability right on their website or including the pillars of sustainability into their mission statements. You know, this shift has really taken root in today's corporate world, but why? And there are two areas, two industry mandates that seem to have popped up, not recently, but ones that have been used um, most. One example is, is the emphasis from governing bodies. In uh, January of this year, 2023, the European Union released a new template for all companies based in the EU or uh, are doing business in the EU to report on the impacts of sustainability and their sustainability efforts. Uh, this template is referred to as the Corporate Sustainability Reporting Directive, or CSRD, and it creates an ability to compare and report consistently, really. It's 10 key metrics that I'll go through and be able to compare across different uh, organizations. 
but the information collected can be anything from consumption of resources, disclosures of pollutants, resource optimization of risks, or other. Now, another example is this, the SEC um, has actually created a requirement for new registrants to disclose uh, climate-related risks and how they impact their business. Uh, these disclosures will include emissions of greenhouse gases, wastes that involves energy consumption, and other measurable areas for public distribution. Um, now, really what this does is it allows for a, a notification. Again, anyone who's on the stock ticker will know is there are areas and disclosures in which if there are any risks or any impacts to the business or business continuity, uh, they will be reported and made publicly available. Uh, therefore, we can see, again, it puts additional emphasis on being sustainable. So in reviewing sustainability and its place within our organizations, um, I found a journal article that, that really looked into the impacts of sustainability and, and how it fits within our current industry 4.0 initiatives. And this is an article called Sustainable Manufacturing in Industry and Emerging Research Agenda by uh, Carla Machidoa. Now, like the above statement from Eric Hubja, this journal outlines the handshake between these two initiatives and it discusses the pillars of technologies required to outfit your operation within the context of, in this case, Industry 4.0. And these technologies, and I'm sure a number of you on the line today have investigated these, include anywhere from autonomous machines, simulators, digital twins, other IoT devices, AR, VR, cloud computing, and a complete vertical and horizontal systems integration to, to really promote workflows, seamless workflows, and really reduce the amount of resources we need to extend to get the job done and, and get the job done right. And in general, sustainability benefits industry 4.0 by improving productivity, flexibility, and resource efficiency. And really the same goes the other direction as well. You know, improving productivity, flexibility, and resource efficiency has great measurable effects on the workforce and reducing impacts to the environment. So these 10 pillars from the last slide help really help to create a closed loop production system, connect the machines, information systems, products, and people to enable transparent information and improve it, your operation on all levels. So how does technology support sustainability within an organization? And I'm gonna take this section in really two different directions here. There are data collectors that allow for accurate capture of readings, needing to respond and adjust to meeting, meet sustainability goals. And then there's also the software or storing angle of this, of this topic. But one of the main themes for this is that there really are many avenues and data points required to build towards sustainability. And keeping them all organized can be quite hectic and, and sometimes consuming. Now, naturally, the first question would be, you know, where can I store this data as it relates to my assets and be able to correlate the direct impact on sustainability? And one system of record for extensive history of assets is a, a computerized maintenance management software, also known as a CMMS. Now, I'd hate to assume that everyone on the line knows what a CMMS is and what it does, as I know a few people in attendance today are actually joining from uh, other products and segments within FRS. But 
a computerized maintenance management software is it's meant to improve the way maintenance and reliability professionals manage their operations, teams, inventories, compliance, and really any other related activities. And to, elabor to elaborate, it's actually a place to store all their asset and equipment related data uh, so that managers can organize and schedule preventive and corrective maintenance, manage their labor, monitor wrench time, and track inventory. So in general, really, it, it's a tool that allows customers the ability to establish asset maintenance histories. And this information enables teams to track and analyze trends using a dashboard to track their KPIs that help identify potential failures early and giving maintenance crews time to plan and act accordingly to any issues. And when you boil it down, this is a system or software that's used to track the life cycle of your assets. It provides alerts for both proactive and reactive repairs, as well as the cost of those repairs. Uh, many CMS systems provide the ability to track utilization of assets, condition-based readings, as well as record related uh, records related to contacts and vendors and suppliers. And when used correctly, a CMS has the ability to track and provide users with outcomes they generally may not realize with that one. Anywhere from increased visibility into their daily operations, who is where, when, where's my budget going, what has been accomplished, what is currently being worked on, and what may be overdue. So the ability to reduce unplanned downtime and equipment through analysis of past records, ease of access to digital records and documentation, and in turn, extending the life of your assets. Or to take it a step further, it can help operations meet regulatory standards and maintain compliance through documented processes and digital data capture. And if you look at these areas available in a CMMS, it's meant to allow teams to manage their daily activities and prioritize without having to rely on paper-based systems, sell spreadsheets, or, uh, or really word of mouth. So when you think about it, it's, it's an area in which you can digitize your maintenance data and correlate it with your initiatives around maintenance, in addition to using data to supplement how your teams go about their economic, environmental, and social impacts. Now, how does a CMMS enhance sustainability? You know, how can a tool that is purpose-built for maintenance planning, scheduling, execution, really make an impact on sustainability or enable you to shine a light on areas in which your organization is promoting sustainability? Let's look back at the triple bottom line. When double-clicking into social aspects of a CMMS, you know, there are typically methods in which to track key metrics related to accountability for performance uh, within the organization. And this allows for transparency as it relates to training or certifications to make sure that employees are okay to perceive certain tasks, along with recording the quality of work, which in turn will promote better practices and less rework, eliminating streams of wastes. In addition, better scheduling of staff to improve overall worker productivity, and in turn, it enables happiness. From an economic perspective, CMS is a perfect area to track costs and really quantify the impact of maintenance and reliability on that bottom line. It can help to identify times in which you can recycle or rebuild parts and naturally monitoring assets and, and work order data will allow you to extend the life of your assets. Now, 
what this type of system allows customers to do is, is identify areas of waste within their operation. So for example, decreasing the amount of downtime on your equipment and being able to identify repeat failures. Um, an example is I worked with a group of uh, a group a number of years ago, which they were able to use data of repeat issues to complete an audit of their vendors who were supplying their parts. And they were able to identify vendors distributing parts that may have not been of the uh, highest quality. And in turn, they were able to promote using parts that could be used for longer, could be repaired or refurbished, and increasing the mean time between failures of their, their critical assets. Now, in relation to environmental metrics, how's this? Enabling your maintenance and, maintenance and reliability department to go paperless seems to be big nowadays. The CMS has the ability to track emissions or leaks in addition to other actions related to this topic. You know, many organizations nowadays are under the microscope when it comes to emissions and, and incidences. When you think about it, the CMS is an area in which inspections for leaks can be tracked, repeat leaks can be reported and notify the appropriate parties, and other remediation processes can be tracked from start to finish. You know, these are the types of things that auditors come to expect, and it shows that your organization has a handle on these types of inevitable risks and how they can control their responses. So the last thing any company wants is really a costly leak, increasing emissions, creating unsafe conditions within the facility and, and a headache when it comes to audit season. So overall, when you look at all, all these aspects and impacts that a CMS can have on the health of your assets along with sustainability, you, know, you should be in a more positive state. The CMS really does provide a path for continuous improvement and allows for your organization to start to take a look at areas of strength and others that may be ones of weakness. Now, here's where we need to remember our, uh, our discussion from earlier. Are sustainability and reliability the same thing? No, Eric stated that. Again, reliability and sustainability are considerably different topics, but are important to be conducted in accordance with one another. What this means is that your reliability journey has a direct impact on may or, or may enhance the way that you go about working towards sustainability. You cannot have aspects that are failing, parts that are breaking, and have a truly sustainable practice that is free of waste, environmental hazards, and without interruptions to your workflows. And when looking to provide sustainable practices into your operation, it's worth looking into where your company is at on its reliability journey. You know, when I started with EMA a number of years ago, it felt like most organizations were, were still firefighting. However, today there's a drastic difference in technologies as technologies have evolved. You know, there's better roadmaps and paths have been developed to deploy these solutions and not just be reactive and documenting it, the post-op documentation. What this diagram illustrates is that there really is a natural progression as organizations make their way from reactive to preventive predictive where sensory technologies and condition monitoring are, are added to generate alerts. We dive into prescriptive, which is really using AI and advanced analytics, and eventually sustainable solutions, using together technologies and tailored processes to drive that sustainability. Now, there are a number of technologies involved in, in keeping your operations up and running and, and keeping your operations running sustainably. You know, when you think about the traditional technologies 
you think about electrical monitors, thermal image solutions, vibration temperature testers, and really going on a route or going on inspection and allowing your teams to diagnose your equipment. Now, if there's an issue, how bad does that issue appear to be? And you can really take a leap into meters such as utilities, utility usage, gas readings, pressures readings, and others that can tip and indicate that there may be a leak within your facility. So when you look at other meters, electric, gas, steam, water meters, these are areas in which you can look at within your facility and really start to look at, again, what's wasteful and what, what may be impactful to, uh, to the environment. In the other, on the other post on the right side, you see that we have data monitoring softwares. You know, there are a number of softwares out there that, are, that all serve a purpose in extending the life of your assets within your facility. And these are softwares and solutions that allow for data to be analyzed and interpreted for action and response. So this can be anywhere from SCADA and automation systems, building management systems, and on systems. You know, they're all purpose built for different industries to interpret the data coming from these sensors and enabling automation and digitalization. And when you fuse these two together, you're able to perform condition monitoring within your operation. And condition monitoring is, is at the center of many practices needed to be able to build towards sustainable maintenance and reliability. When you think about the, uh, the life cycle of an issue with an asset, early detection will always be key. And relying on lagging indications from software and systems only will only really create more opportunities for risks within your program. Now, it's obvious that within the industry, the industrial internet of things and connecting tools and sensors will play a vital role in increasing our efficiencies, decreasing energy usage, while continuing to advance throughput of goods and services. And the investment to date has been really great for just tracking utilities and energy usage alone. Um, I believe I saw in a study from a large automation system provider that 85% of organizations right now are investing in smart building technologies in order to reduce energy costs. And think about it this way, how many of you on the line, myself included, uh, have invested in smart thermostats, uh, have invested in automated irrigation systems that are all in the name of preserving what you have without overutilizing. Now, whether you're conscious of the planet or, or just looking to keep costs down, these types of considerations are becoming increasingly prevalent and are not going away really anytime soon. Now, the impacts of sensory technologies and real-time alerts for issues can be many. When it comes to asset tracking, you know, sensors can provide one place or record for asset health and history, which can be at the sensor or PLC level, which in turn can extend the life of your assets through monitoring the health of the equipment, thus reducing the, time, the amount of times that parts are removed or replaced and reduces the need to change out those assets. But it also helps with real-time monitoring, which enables most more cost-effective methods. And most sustainable responses to, to your immediate alarms uh, need that real-time notification. When you're notified well ahead of time, this keeps equipment up and running and it avoids costly delays, inefficient shipping methods, and impacting your employee engagement. In addition, sensors can also create a decrease in your environmental impact. You know, with the appropriate sensors, you can monitor emissions of plants, such as air leaks, 
and others that may, may be causing carbon dioxide emissions. Uh, it's interesting at the industrial level, there's this heavy push right now for to drive a net zero carbon emissions rating, uh, which means that while having sufficient amount of energy driven to your facility, now you're not replacing that with carbon emissions uh, directly back into the atmosphere. And I've seen a few studies on this around monitoring the way that facilities are, are attempting to actually recapture carbon emissions and store them. And then also moving towards more efficient machines that will reduce the amount of electricity needed. And again, reducing the amount of waste going out. Now, I really don't want to uh, belabor this point, but what the heck, you can't have a true sustainable setup without the capabilities, with the capabilities without sensory technology and the ability to act and act quickly. You know, you can't operate with just sensory technology. You need the ability to monitor and interpret this information and analyze what you are seeing, whether it's happening right now or happening within historical trends. You can't have these two running in silos as they are purpose-built to run hand-in-hand -hand and really extend the life of your assets and expand your ability to quantify what your operations are doing in the name of reliability, in the name of sustainability, and in the name of those three P's, profit, people, and planet. Now, I have two case studies here that I'd like to review with you regarding reliability and how it impacts uh, sustainability. And when you look at our first, Pratt & Whitney, been a customer of ours for I believe eight going on nine years. Uh, their main contact and quote on our slide here is actually someone I've worked with for a number of years. But what I would like to highlight is that is that their mission was to combine sensors and CMS to continuously monitor their assets and really create a scalable condition monitoring platform. And by fusing the two together, they were able to increase availability for certain parts. Uh, they were able to improve visibility into root cause analysis and failures and to really achieve best in class performance for their new, new plants eliminating wastes. Uh, the second, is Brown Foreman, Jack Daniels Cooperage, which I'm sure a number of you have heard of, but Jack Daniels is a leading producer of, and distributor of spirits and wine worldwide. And Jack Daniels has invested heavily in keeping some of their single points of failure from impacting their business as often. You know, the example that I've given here is dust collection fans within the facility, where if a fan shuts down, so does their operation. And they decided to use a series of vibration sensors in, in connection with their CMMS, which allows them to continue operating efficiently, right? They're notified of any issues and they're able to remediate that as soon as possible. And all in all, you can see and kind of understand that there's a direct impact to economic implications here, but from the social and environmental standpoint, they're more subtle. You know, within the facility, if a fan stops, so do your employees. This leads to things like increased frustration, repeated work, all things that would be great to avoid. Now, when an effective program using sensors and analytics and softwares is put in place, you know, companies should expect to see on average a 35 to 45% reduction in downtime. You know, failures are able to be detected before absolute failure. And going back to our discussions earlier of risk, yeah, timing can be everything when it comes to failure detection and and be, and getting it and acting at the beginning of that original PF curve. So you allow yourself more time to diagnose and 
more efficiently respond and be less wasteful. In addition, there's a 20 to 25% increase in production as maintenance will be allowed additional time to schedule resets and reboots. So when a piece of equipment fails, everything stops. You know, how can we plan around our current production schedules so that output is still available and maintenance stable, able, still able to address those concerns? Now, how do these numbers impact sustainability? What impact can high performing assets have? You know, this breaks into areas such as supply, stain, supply chain sustainability. When you're not expediting parts, you're not investing in rush shipping, causing additional carbon-based impacts uh, as the parts are sent to you. You know, you may be able to order in bulk or have time to rebuild or refurbish parts before catastrophic failure. So this speaks to a concept of more of a circular economy practices, which we'll touch on a little later, but the goal is that these numbers have direct impacts on what causes waste and drains on costly resources that could have been used elsewhere. Now, when I speak with certain individuals who are now tasked with finding ways to track sustainable practices within their organization, one of the main questions that comes up is, you know, what types of, of specific data should I be looking for? You know, what should I be looking at? What should I be recording? Now, relating back to the earlier slide discussing, you know, 10 metrics for the EU or, or for the SEC, the article shown on your slide here, sustainability and in industry 4.0, the definition of a set of key performance indicators for manufacturing companies. Um, it's actually an interesting read, but the research was documented by Gidita Cantini and Margarita Perzini. And this article is positioned to answer that question, how can one measure a generic set of sustainability KPIs in the industrial context? Now, uh, it is a longer read, but it's a study of a series of journal articles that, that have discussed performance indicators for different industries within the uh, context of sustainability. So what this article did is it actually synthesized the information from all of these different articles and was able to divide common metrics into three categories. Again, social, economic, um, and environmental. And in total, they found around, I think it was 117 different metrics that they actually grouped into those three categories. Now, after digging deeper into those categories, uh, they were able to establish a set of KPIs that should be able to monitor sustainability regardless of industry. And these KPIs range from scrap costs, resource costs, lead times, turnover, energy costs, maintenance costs, and so on. So for anyone who's interested or anyone who's been in the infancy of their journey to sustainability, I'd actually recommend that you check out this article. It's a great starting point, and they've done a lot of digging that, that did some of the heavy lifting for you. Now, for the future of sustainability, let's be honest, AI is here, and it's being used today at increasing rates year over year. Uh, AI has the ability to analyze and interpret data at levels that we cannot imagine. And depending on the purpose they're being used for, they can investigate issues, diagnose and find inefficiencies within our assets or operations, and AI can provide insight into the meter readings and track where, uh, where leaks are potentially maybe happening. AI can identify streams of waste within your operation, whether they are process wastes, waste within supply chain, 
or even identify issues with energy consumption. You know, AI has eyes that will allow us to be able to identify the smallest defect in products that we're, we're shipping out the door. And it can also optimize routes for those parts when they're being shipped out the door. So that way we're again, reducing our, our carbon footprint. AI really, it gives us additional flexibility and insights that again, may be missed when we're, when we're going forward. Now, earlier I mentioned an example of an adjustment that AI may, may help us out with, but it's moving toward this concept of circular economy principles, which is when it comes to maintenance and reliability, you can see that organizations are gonna buy less parts and start reusing or, or make a focus on reuse, reused parts. There's actually a, uh, another journal article I read back by Yu Zhang that states that the role of Industry 4.0 has become fruitful avenue for circular economic and supply chain sustainable uh, uh, capabilities. And the components of Industry 4.0, such as AI, IoT, cyber, cyber physical systems, uh, cognitive computing enabled, really allow for supply chains to improve efficiencies and make manufacturing processes, again, more sustainable. And when you read the article, it, it actually directly ties sensory technology to a direct benefit on an organizational supply chain. Now, the supply chain directly benefits the circular economy principle for the organization. And this can be anywhere from alleviating stress and pressure to have redundant parts on hand, uh, the ability to swap parts with vendors and suppliers who may carry excess in order to take those parts, expand their useful life and rebuild and reuse. And there are many great posts out there that discuss these topics. And I've even heard in certain countries, it's it's actually more of a common practice nowadays for, for vendors to keep additional parts on hand for certain customers, especially that are the OEM, to allow them to uh, reduce the cost of certain parts and uh, decrease waste. So checking on time, I'm doing fine. But in recap, in conclusion, as you can see, Sustainability is, is really no longer a, a dotted line goal of performance for, for most leaders nowadays. You know, industries are, are quickly adjusting to take into account the three P's in their maintenance and reliability programs, which again are people, planet, and profit. Each of these areas are interconnected and you can't achieve sustainability without measuring the impact to each within your maintenance processes and strategies. So as of right now, there's, there's no time better than now to investigate what your roadmap looks like and align it with your maintenance and reliability strategies. So thank you for your time today, everyone. I really appreciate you taking the time to hop on today's session. Hope to catch you on a future session as well, but we'll open for Q&A. And Robin, if there are any questions, feel free to uh, send them here. We do have a few questions. I hope I don't misspeak what's been asked. Uh, one question is, can you can you clarify what is an andon system a n d o n uh that's a great question it's a big question i'm going to say it depends on the different um, manufacturing equipment that's being used today it's only used in a, in a few industries so i won't dive into the weeds too much but if you're curious quick google it'll allow you to uh to dive in but it's really geared around different types of uh manufacturing uh processes for uh for equipment so it's a generic question, but without completely derailing this this uh, this session, I'll uh, I'll leave it there. And then I have a question. You mentioned that greenhouse gases were decreased by twenty percent. How was that accomplished? 
Uh, that's a good question. I was going to say the article that I read on it, there, there are many stats around this, but the first one that popped up was shining light on the fact that there were so many emissions. A lot of organizations nowadays are working on either A, um, either A, reduce the amount of emissions that are going out within greenhouse or less greenhouse gases going out, whether it is through uh, uh, certain steam pipes, for example, or others. And the other focus is actually recapturing it. So the ability to actually take that, not release it into the environment, but redirect it. Um, one of my colleagues actually sent out an interesting study where instead of actually taking, um, taking uh, gases that are being released out in the uh, environment back into the environment, they're actually capturing it and putting it underground. So that way it can be stored and, and no longer impact um, the environment or atmosphere going forward. So there's a number of different ways to go about doing that. But again, it just depends on your industry and how, uh, how that is getting out the door. And the next question I have is, do the sensors and AI require a tremendous amount of PM activity? As we all know that instrumentation and electronics has a random trend of failure, and this adds up to fire. Right. Yeah, that's a good question. It really depends. Um, when it comes to the setup, a lot of times nowadays, and one of my colleagues have mentioned this, is there's usually a lot of ways in which, you know, like a, like a manufacturer can recommend the best way to, to sense certain failures and, and failure modes that are happening. I'll say it does require a level of maturity with the organization to be able to take your own data and say, this asset is failing at this time, but it does rely on at least advanced notice of, again, are we diving into certain rotating equipment that requires vibration and, and temperature sensors? Are there some that we're just detecting leaks? So I'll say, what I'll say is it really depends on where you're at in your journey, but it usually is a little intensive up front. Uh, think of it like the flywheel. You're going to need to, to invest at least a little bit into trying to get a hold or a handle on what, what types of failures you can run into with your assets, how often they're going to happen, and, and how severely you're going to treat them. And then from there, AI can, can use that to, uh, to do some additional interpretation. So... No firm answer there. Again, it just depends on where you're at in your, your technology journey. I think the next one can get some pretty good firm answers. Um, how can we get started with just some basic vibration monitoring? Ah, so I have a few people you can talk to. Um, what I recommend is usually what we do is there are different assessments that we have to, to start out with vibration. Um, not to go into a sales pitch or anything like that. That's the last thing I want to do is really what we do is we do an assessment where we discuss all the different assets that you have currently within your operation. Same thing, we go through criticality. How, how impactful is this asset to your, to your operation? If it fails, again, we have different failure modes that we can detect within uh, vibration and vibration sensors. But the first step is always to get that assessment done. Again, get a handle on what rotating assets you have today, and then we'll take it from there. But Usually it's the fastest way to, uh, to a successful implementation as opposed to uh, some, some team members will take sensors and just slap them onto every motor, bearing, pump within the facility and see what happens. Not usually the best way to go about it. And another question I have is, can you have a weekly report generated automatically? Um, that depends. Depends on the systems that are, are being used today. If we're talking about things like like a CMMS, or if we're talking about things like uh, within my, a, uh, an analytics platform, it's usually software specific. 
Um, I know within CMS, they typically will have a weekly report of faults and failures. Um, typically we'll have weekly reports of meter readings that are coming out and average trends. So without getting too product focused, I'll say generally, yes, you can get weekly reports of issues, but um, that just depends on what you're using today. All right, next question. How does CMMS impact the number of staff in an organization? Well, what I like to say is that a CMMS being the historian for, for a lot of maintenance and reliability, and in this case, a lot of sustainability related data, uh, a CMMS really allows you to, to look at the data that you have today and then run trends, right? And the ability to expose efficiencies and efficiencies. For example, it usually takes this much time to complete this type of activity. Here's how long it should take. And, and in turn, here's the, the count that we should have number of employee-wise or staff-wise. Um, that's typically best. Um, what, what I'll say is it depends on what you're measuring. Are you tracking the amount of time spent on certain activities? Are you tracking um, the amount of, of, you know, are you tracking your backlog efficiently? Are we, are we scheduling efficient, efficiently? These are things that can be exposed through a CMMS to enable you to take that data and really do what you want with it. So for example, hey, someone I worked with, this is probably three years ago, right? They were able to log that, hey, we had about two, two and a half weeks worth of backlog of tasks that was continuously running through. That backlog continued for about six months and they were able to justify using that metric to justify an additional team member these are types of things that you can do to set a good a good threshold what are what's the best way to start shifting towards cmms yeah great question when it comes to shifting towards cmms it really just depends again are you what type of systems are you using today i mentioned earlier there are a lot of teams that are still reactive operating on word of mouth firefighting um, the best way to to create some urgency around using a CMMS or moving towards a CMMS is it's just saying, hey, are we, are we losing track of things? Do we know what's coming up next week? You know, where our schedule is? Do we know what our backlog is? Um, can we generate reports if we need to, if, uh, if management's asking for it? You know, the, the one thing I always like to note, and I think I said this on a session probably a year or so ago, but you know, when, when management asks, you know, we, we'd be foolish to assume that a CMMS is, is the big the biggest solution for every single thing within your business, right? But what I'll say is a CMMS allows you when you're asked for certain metrics that are related to maintenance, reliability, and other, to quickly answer that question and say, you know, do we need more headcount? You know, why are certain things running behind? It, it allows you to quickly respond to those questions. And if you don't have those answers, again, the, the tip of your fingers if when needed, then that's a great time to start looking at a CMMS and, and moving from there. All right, here's a big one. What are the future aspects for new engineers in the business? And what background does an engineer need to be ready for future forward for this business? Oh, yeah, another good one. Um, this is one that I'll answer, answer quickly. In a general, in a general sense, and we can always zoom in later on a later session. But the future of engineering, obviously, is embracing technologies as they as they stand today and where they're heading. And when I, with, I discussed earlier with sustainability, you know, if you're firefighting today, when you're looking at certain things, if you're not notified ahead of time for certain types of technologies, 
and you're going to be constantly firefighting until you resolve that. For engineers today, and I, I don't have a firm best response for this going forward, but you know, embrace the fact that there are certain ways in which your assets can fail and look for ways in order to address those as soon as possible to extend the life of your assets, to improve the efficiencies within your operation. And then always keep, keep an open mind when it comes to newer technologies. Like again, AI is scary, AI is big, but you know, how can that help to, to really change the way that you go about business to make sure that you're always on the cutting edge? Because at the end of the day, competition's not going anywhere. It's just going to get more, more, more intense. So, you know, how do you play a good defense with your assets while also being able to improve throughput and deliver better goods and services? So that's my response to that. Right. And while we wait to see if additional questions come in, let me ask you this question. What is a recent success story for sustainability you have heard of or been a part of? Got it. So... This was one I kind of alluded to earlier in the presentation, but there was a there was a customer that I worked with a number of years ago where they were using their CMMS and they they started to realize quickly that there was a a level of waste that was happening within their organization. And a lot of that was around, you know, on the bottom line, it's easy to say, hey, we're using a lot of parts. But what they're realizing was that they were spending a lot of time um, they're spending a lot of time trying to justify those costs. Hey, you know, we're going out weekly, we're replacing this belt, this bearing, whatever, whatever it has. And what they did is they looked into two things. One, the historian where they had it within their, their CMMS, they were able to see repeat failures and issues with certain components. They're saying, hey, this is a problem that we're running into a lot. And what they were able to do is map that back to certain suppliers and vendors. And what they did is they looked into it and realized that certain parts while, while they were looking to cut costs were actually costing them more because they were replacing them more often, right? And what they were doing is they were just taking, they didn't use a belt, but it was a belt as an example I like to use, and they were just throwing it away. And think about the impacts of that on the environment, think about that on, on the, uh, your efficiencies because you're constantly repairing the same thing. Um, it actually impacted kind of, kind of weirdly enough, the social aspect too. Their employee turnover, it, it kind of became a joke that, hey, oh, it's my, my weekly time to go out and, uh, and repair this, this piece of machinery. So what I'll say is this, is they, at the end of the day, took the data that they had, they completed kind of a consolidation of their suppliers, and they were able to use the data to, one, improve, improve their efficiencies, right? They weren't having to go out as often because they, they consolidated vendors, they found high quality parts, and they were able to track those to different failure modes. Um, they were able, able to alleviate uh, the team the team issues where they weren't just joking around about how bad this you know, this one belt is as they replaced it six thousand times. Um, and again, they were able to actually make a big impact to their bottom line. So hey, we're we're investing in repairable, rebuildable parts, ones that will last a long time, and they were able to push that through. So that's one that kind of comes to mind is is someone who is able to to use and leverage kind of their their recent history and word of mouth at that time somebody mentioned to them and, and kind of find a way to improve the quality of parts how they're able to reduce the amount of waste going out the door and uh and impact that bottom line i think we have time for one last final short question sure um, the question is if using vibration sensors would they alert you on your smartphone 
uh, they can depend on the ones you're using. Um, but the ones specifically that are near to near and dear to me, yes, you can get you can get alerts um, in different ways, usually emails and things like that. But that's the idea. Once a sensor has a form of issue that that uh, you know raises its hand and says, "Hey, there's a problem," that will notify you in in many different ways. All right. Well, Michael, thank you. Thank you for an amazing presentation.